0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as usual, we start with a warm welcome to our new listeners. And this week we have had new listeners from Blackburn, Swindon, Cardiff, Portsmouth, London, Guildford, Reading, Brighton, Southampton, Leeds... Dublin in the Republic of Ireland, Utrecht in the Netherlands, Melbourne in Australia, Dakar in Bangladesh, and New York City and Seattle in the USA. So welcome to all of you new listeners. Uh, Please do tell your friends and your colleagues about GDPR Weekly Show. Let's get the word out there. And uh, in a few moments we'll be giving you the contents of this week's episode. Uh, Wherever you're listening in the world, I really, really do thank you for taking the time to listen to my broadcast and I hope you are finding the content useful and informative and entertaining. If you have any feedback for me, please do not hesitate to email podcast at insurity.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co dot podcast at insurity.uk and I look forward to receiving your messages. Thank you once again for listening.
0: Check us out on Facebook.
1: So, coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have news of the major data breach at British Airways. We have news about an enforcement notice regarding data subject access requests issued to Lewisham Council. We have an interesting update from the ICO about the use of firstname.lastname at companyname.com.co.uk email addresses. We have an update on the Data Protection World Forum being held at Excel in London in November. And finally for this episode, we have a article about the Human Rights Group's challenges to the UK Data Protection Act 2018. With regard to immigration data, and particularly the data on EU immigrants to the country. And uh, so please have a listen to that at the end of this episode. So now, on with the first article about British Airways.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Button.
1: The big story in GDPR circles this week is without doubt the data breach at British Airways. However you measure it, this data breach was substantial. Firstly, the admission by BA that their customers' data was exposed to this data breach for 15 days before the hole in their website was fixed. 15 days... At British Airways is an awful lot of data, and it's estimated that some 380,000 transactions have been hacked. What makes the data breach at British Airways really alarming is a the length of time that it took them to detect and fix the breach, but b the fact that not only have they lost customers' details, you know, names and addresses, and so on, but they've also lost, crucially credit card numbers, date, expiry dates, and the three CVV digits on the strip, signature strip on the back of the credit cards. So thieves have all the information they need to pre- take any number of transactions using those cards. Personally, I'm surprised that it took BA so long to detect the problem, and I think they probably are looking at a massive fine. Now, as you know, if you know anything about GDPR, the maximum fine is 4% of global turnover or 20 million euros, whichever is the higher. Well, 4% of BA's stated turnover for the last 12 months would mean a fine of 488 million pounds, nearly half a billion pounds. Now, will they be fined anything like that figure? I actually doubt it. But I do suspect that given that this is not the first time that BA have had problems with their data, that they are going to be looking at a fine that is well into the millions of pounds. And it really depends how much I think the ICO chooses to show their teeth. On this one, to be fair, the British Airways they aren't the only airline that has been affected. Um, Air Canada and Lufthansa from Germany have similarly had data breaches, data breaches in the last few weeks. So BA is not alone, but BA has suffered a big, big problem, and they've been quite slow, I think, in communicating that out to their customers. Yes. On Friday, they were running full-page newspaper adverts apologising for what had happened. They have said that they will compensate uh, passengers as necessary, but I think they are going to face a substantial fine. And also, I think it's worth bearing in mind, and we make this always, of course, a big point with GDPR, not to worry so much about your financial penalty as to think about the effect on your reputation. And this has without doubt had a dent on British Airways reputation and indeed on Friday in the stock markets it had a big effect on British Airways share value. Their share value by mid-morning had fallen 2.3%. I'll put that into context, that in itself wiped almost half a billion pounds off the value of the company. Now, it should be said it went on to recover a bit later in the day But nonetheless, I think it's a clear indicator of how seriously data breaches can affect companies. Now, okay, some people probably listen to this thinking, well, yeah, it's British Airways, but they're a huge company. But yes, they are. But it could be a smaller company next time. It could be your company next time. And just think, how well are you prepared to deal with a data breach? Do you know what you should be doing? Have you got the procedures in place? Most importantly, and I suspect the answer to this in a number of cases will be no, have you tested them? Can you prove to your own satisfaction, let alone the satisfaction of the ICO or someone externally, that your data breach procedures actually work? Maybe this week, as we're all getting back to work, is the time to give them a test and see what happens. So, I suspect there will be more to come on the British Airways story over the next few weeks. Um, And as that emerges, obviously I will bring it to you in future editions of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: One organisation that can't seem to keep itself out of the news, as far as GDPR is concerned, is the London Borough Lewisham. If you've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, you'll know that they uh, had a problem with a data breach. Well, now they've been served with an enforcement notice from the ICO and reminded that non-compliance with this enforcement notice is a criminal offence. Not this time for a data breach, but for 19 people where they have not been able to provide all the details requested by those people within the 30 days set out in the GDPR regulations. Now, to best of my knowledge, this is the first time that the ICO has actually issued a, a formal enforcement notice on a matter such as this, rather than just a note to the people or a letter. But this is actually a formal legal notice to the London Borough of Lewisham that they have until the 15th of October to satisfy the requests of those 19 people, or they will find themselves looking at some criminal action. And my guess is that there will be some very busy people at Lewisham Council, because I'm sure none of the councillors and none of the senior officers there will want to make one of their next public appearances, being in the dock at uh, their local magistrate's court. But it does perhaps indicate just how seriously the ICO are taking... Subject access requests, you know, I think there's a general feel out there that maybe, um, well, the regulations say we need to supply the data in 30 days, but uh, what if we don't? If we take a bit longer than that, is anyone really generally bothered? Well, I think, again, this could be a case of the ICO showing they've got teeth, but I think it raises a serious issue. I think it raises the issue of, do you have a good data subject access request procedure in place? Have you checked it? Have you tried it? Are you confident that if you get any volume of subject access requests, you can actually process them within the 30 days? Because, certainly for the London Borough of Lewisham, okay, they've got these 19 that they've been serving enforcement notice on, but there's over 100 others that are still working their way through the system, and who knows whether they'll be able to satisfy all of those within 30 days, let alone, of course, any extra ones that come in in the period between now and the enforcement date anyway. You know, they've effectively been given six weeks by the ICO on top of the 30 days, so they now had 72 days to provide the information. Now, I think if they can't provide the information within that period of time, they really are going to be looking at criminal action. And so it is important that you have a good data subject access request policy in place, procedure in place, and test it. Make some phony requests, but just make sure that it works. Yeah, Can you actually get all the data out of the system, delivered to the person who's asked for it, within 30 days? And can you do that comfortably? And can you do that able to rest certain that you've actually satisfied all the requirements under GZPR? If the answer to that is no, then please do get in touch with us because we can help you get the right procedures in place. So if you have any concerns about whether you have the right procedures, please do just drop us a line at podcasts and I or one of my team will get back to you as soon as we can. But please do examine your procedures, do examine any subject access requests, make sure you're keeping a register of subject access requests because that's quite critical, and make sure that you're providing the information within 30 days.
0: Check us out on Facebook.
1: An interesting outcome this week on uh, email addresses from individuals at companies and to whether they can be used for marketing or not without obtaining express consent. This has been a bit of a grey area ever since GDPR came in, but the ICO has now issued some clearer guidance in which they've said that if you are sending a marketing email to a corporate subscriber, i.e. an email address in the form of firstname.lastname at company.com or even just firstname at company.com then you no longer need prior consent before you send the marketing email. However, you still need to identify the lawful basis on which you're sending the marketing email. And for this, of course, you may be able to rely on one of the legitimate interests as a way of justifying this business-to-business marketing. But I think this is an interesting step forward. But do bear in mind that it is only for firstname.lastname at company dot com or dot co. UK or dot org dot UK email addresses. It's not for, for example, first name last name at gmail dot com or first name last name at bt or first name dot last name at yahoo UK. It doesn't cover those. You still need to look at consent for those. Although again, there are other reasons why you may not need consent, but that's not something I can go into in, in a 30-minute podcast. But for plain B2B marketing, I think this does make the uh, field much more open. Unfortunately, for those of us who don't like spam in our inbox, I think it increases the chance that we might get some again. But I think it is a practical response. However, I wouldn't push it. So I think, uh, you know, you need to make sure that, yes, you can send this marketing material to people who are firstname.lastname at company.co.uk or company.com or whatever. But make sure you can satisfy yourself in your own mind that it is something that that person would have a legitimate interest in. And also make sure that your emails have a clear way that people can unsubscribe and don't just rely on a tiny little unsubscribe link at the bottom of the email, buried half a mile down the page. Actually make it so that you know it is obvious to people that they do have the option to unsubscribe and what they need to do to simply do that. But hopefully that should help your marketing, even in the post-GDPR world. And indeed, that also fits in with the Privacy and Electronic Communications Regulations PCR, or more commonly known as PECA, this also satisfies that requirement. So hopefully that means that as small businesses, and indeed larger businesses, we can actually start to market to individuals again, as long as, as the sender, you're confident you can justify a legitimate reason why that person would be interested in receiving your email.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: An event for your diaries uh, on the 20th and 21st of November 2018 at the Excel Conference Centre in London Uh, is the Data Protection World Forum. Uh, It's a conference spread over two days. There are a number of GDPR-related topics coming up at the conference, including uh, GDPR, the future of marketing and advertising, a GDPR health check, GDPR and HR, how to achieve ongoing compliance. And of course, GDPR and HR is something that we've been talking about in this episode of the podcast. And also business development in a post-GDPR world, and I think that's something as well which would be of interest to lots of people of just how does GDPR impact upon business development and how do we make sure that business continues to develop for everyone even accepting the privacy constraints that gdpr places on us so it's promising to be a really good conference and expo excel if you don't know it is very easy to get to it's out in docklands just to the east of london um, it's by the jubilee line for underground um, it's also very close to london city airport so for visitors from overseas it's very easy to arrive there and it's also has other good transport links. Uh, it's not great though to drive to, it has to be said, so it's a good case to use public transport uh, most definitely if you can because it makes your journey there much, much simpler. I'm going to be there on both days. If you'd like to meet up with me during the tours of the Protection World, Data Protection World Forum then of course I'd be delighted to meet with you please just drop me an email to podcasts at insurety.co.uk with a note of which date, the 20th or the 21st, works best for you. And uh, we can arrange to meet at the conference. Um, I'll be talking some more about the conference in uh, a future episode of the podcast between now and November. And uh, indeed, hopefully we'll be getting to interview one of the organisers and uh, have that discussion. But just a note for your diary, so if you haven't got it in there already, please pencil in the date. It's 20th and 21st November at Excel in London.
0: You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
1: Two human rights groups have launched a challenge to the UK Data Protection Act 2018 which is what will control GDPR effectively uh, after Brexit. And the two groups, the Open Rights Group and the Three Million Group, representing EU citizens living in the UK, have announced that they are forging ahead with a judicial review challenging an immigration exemption in the Data Protection Act 2018. Uh, basically, what they're saying is that it's in conflict with the EU's Charter of Fundamental Rights and that it undermines GDPR. The two organisations have been quite successful in raising funding through crowdsourcing for uh, this action to take place, and indeed, they've raised some £40,000. The argument centres around the immigration exemption in the DPA the data protection act under schedule 2 part 1 paragraph 4 which removes fundamental data subject rights if the data controller thinks the disclosure of that data would and I quote prejudice the maintenance of effective immigration control or the investigation or detection of activities that would undermine the maintenance of effective immigration control end of quote now the data protection act is of course based on the european union's general data protection regulation which states that everyone, regardless of their nationality or state of residence, should have their fundamental rights and freedoms protected, in particular their right to the protection of their personal data. However, opponents of the exemption clause, represented by law firm Lee Day, argue it will undermine the GDPR. The Data Protection Act was designed to implement by restricting the rights of millions of people across the UK. In a statement, the group said that The exemption removes the long-standing rights of access to personal data, which has been available for decades, with no evidence offered by the government why the exemption is necessary now when it hasn't been necessary in the past. The groups are concerned that the immigration exemption will mean that immigrants to the UK will not have access to data and information on how the government decides on their fate, including, of course, their potential deportation and the groups argue that this would make any defence or legal action against unlawful deportation by the government extremely difficult. The human rights groups believe the exemption will apply to a wide range of government and non-government bodies, including the NHS, the DVLA, employers, landlords and banks. There is no justification for such bodies to be able to derogate from the vast majority of fundamental data protection rights, they are arguing. The two groups are talking for the courts to declare the immigration exemption incompatible with GDPR and the EU's charter of fundamental rights. Rosa Turling, human rights sister at Lee Day, said the Open Rights Group and the Three Million Group had warned the government that if the immigration exemption was written into law, it would be contrary to GDPR as well as incompatible with other parts of EU law. Unfortunately, the concerns of our clients were ignored, and they've been left no option but to launch this legal challenge, she said. It cannot be correct, she argues, that a two-tier system is created for data rights, distinguishing those who become subject to immigration control, from all other British citizens. Jim Killett, Executive Director of the Open Rights Group, said that restricting the rights of millions to their personal data and immigration processes risks inaccurate data being used to make life-changing decisions. I think it's quite an important point because, of course, the fundamental of GDPR is that once data subjects have the data that they are allowed access to, they are allowed to challenge any profiling or decisions made as a result of that data. And there does seem to be a fundamental issue here on whether that should be excluded from people who are immigrants to this country. The over-rights group, uh, Jim Kellett went on to say, can't allow that to pass without challenge. Trying to avoid necessary accountability and remove responsibilities to treat people fairly. This challenge aims to keep fairness and accountability in the immigration system. Nicholas Hatton, who is co-founder and co-chair of the 3 million group, said the legal challenge matters to all 3.6 million EU citizens will have to apply for settled status if they want to stay in their own homes in the UK after Brexit. He said no applicants should be prevented from accessing the data the Home Office holds about them. This is 2018, not 1984, a reference to George Orwell's novel. Former Home Office Minister Labour MP Liam Byrne has recognised the need to build checks and balances into the immigration justice system, but described the immigration exemption in the DPA as a gratuitous land grab that he believes should be removed. The reality is that many of these people, often with complicated immigration histories, do not have access to the relevant documents or an accurate reflection or legal understanding of their circumstances, he said. These concerns are not fanciful, he argues, they are very real. Liam Byrne, currently shadow digital minister, said these concerns are not just for EU citizens or just for any newcomer to the UK, he argues that the exemption is drawn so widely that it could conceivably apply to British citizens related to individuals to an immigration tribunal. Byrne believes that while the political attention may be on the Home Office, the exemption would apply to private companies or other public bodies such as local authorities who all have a role to play in the immigration system. The exemption allows data sharing without proper accountability across these different bodies and could potentially affect millions of people, Mr Byrne argues. So there you have it, that's the argument that's going forward between uh these groups and the government. Uh I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are. Do you think that immigrants, whether they're here legally or illegally, should be allowed the same access to their information under GDPR as all the other citizens of the UK? What do you think? I'd be really interested to hear your feedback, perhaps we can run another feature on this in the future episodes so please do send your feedback on this to podcast at insurety.co.uk. That's podcasts at uk. You're
0: listening to the GDPR weekly show with your host Keith Budden
1: So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR weekly show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us at Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe.
0: Check us out on Facebook.
1: The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.